Welcome to the Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 11, along with Dr. J and Coach K. I'm your host, Hootie Hoot. You can always send us an email to the Sports Deli. Deli is D E L I. The Sports Deli at gmail.com. And you can always find me on Instagram at Mike Hootner and on Twitter at Michael Hootner. And we now are joined by our very special guest this week, Mike Sweetney. And you can find him on Instagram at Mike Sweetney. That is M-I-K-E-S-W-E-E-T-N-E-Y, at Mike Sweetney. From PG County, he's a married man, a father of three, from Oxon Hill High School in Maryland, proudly from PG County, uh, later played at Georgetown for three years and drafted in the NBA by the New York Knicks, later played for the Bulls, and we'll talk about his two-year hiatus in a little while from basketball before he went overseas for nine years and played for 11 different club teams and started in China, ended in Uruguay. He's now an assistant coach at a D3 powerhouse, Yeshiva University in New York. And in your words, had the pandemic not hit after you made it to the Sweet 16, you thought you had a chance to win the national title at Yeshiva. And you're also the girls varsity coach at New York's Ramaz School and you're also a speaker about mental health. And we're so glad that you're here and can't wait to hear all about your story and you know some of the ups and downs that you have been through. And now you're a motivational speaker and, and sharing you know, your experiences with, with the world and uh, paying it forward. So welcome. Thank you. That's probably the best introduction that I've had, like far as from start to bottom, like that's I like that. <laughs> I was uh, I was wondering how you have time to be on a podcast with that kind of with that set of credentials. I agree. <laughs> well, we're we're grateful awesome. that you're here. Thank and you for having I, me, guys. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I'm a little partial to to part of your story. Uh, you know, obviously, you know Tamir Goodman really well, the Jewish Jordan, and and um, mm -hmm. you know you've gone to Israel and and spent some time with Tamir, and you weren't able to do that this year just because of the pandemic, and he had to cancel his camps, but. Um, you know, I reached out to Tamir and, and, you know, asked him about you and, you know, he said, you're just an amazing person. And, um, I just thought you'd be, uh, somebody who would, um, be able to share some un unbelievable stories and on and off the hardwood that would resonate with people from adults to kids. And, um, I just think there's so many things that are to be admired about your story. And, you know, my father committed suicide when I was nine. And so that's wow. obviously a, a subject that's close to my heart. And, you know, I, I definitely want to get to that a little bit later. But so how, how did it feel for uh, Kevin Durant to put you on his uh, all-time PG County team as a, as a starting center? Uh, and John, I know, mentioned to me off the air that he's watched the documentary. Really good. The, the documentary Basketball County in the Water about PG County and, and all the top players from that area. Um, how did it feel to have Kevin Durant name you as the starting center and one of the top five players ever from PG County in Maryland? Oh, um, that that honestly um that meant meant a lot. Like to me, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, you know, politics. You know, Kevin Durant at some point when it's all said and done, he will be a Hall of Famer. So. Having a guy that you know is you know Hall of Famer and can go down as one of the best scores of all time, 
in the NBA uh, for him to, you know, pretty much, I guess, you know, know who I am a little bit and had that much respect to say, hey, you know, he's I'm not because I wasn't his era. You know, I'm older than him. So for him to say, hey, somebody else from another era, I got respect for him. You know, I would take him on my team. And we have some very talented guys that come from my area, as you see from the documentary. Uh, so for him, that, that you know, that means a lot to me. Of course, me personally, not being cocky, I do think I'm the best big man to come out of that area. <laughs> but, um, right. you know, so for him to say that, I feel better, you know, getting that validation. But, um, you know, so it, it, was a, it was an amazing feeling, you know, especially, you know, a guy that's, you know, has amazing credentials. And then um, so that made me, you know, made me proud. Something I can tell my kids. I'm like, you should, so, you should know that you should know that John is from Kensington. So the, he didn't just throw that okay. map up. For those of you who can't see it, he's got a whole map yeah. of the D.C. area behind him as his, back, as his awesome. background. So sure. you just be just beware that he's he's kind of from the neighborhood. From the 301, baby. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I love it. My, my guy. <laughs> had no game whatsoever. I would go see you play, but I, I was the guy at the McDonough gym in the summer league with my hot dog watching you in the summer league games, paying five bucks to staying for six games. The best talent. Those were the best. The McDonough yeah. Summer League, most underrated summer league. Five bucks gets oh, you in. Yes, you stay sure. the whole time. And you could see D3 guys, NBA guys, you know, D1 guys. And yeah. it was unbelievable. I think because I think for that, man, that's when I, I first saw Steve Francis play there. This is oh, before, wow. like, you know, he went to Maryland. Right. And he was like, this guy's going to Maryland next year. And I was like, who? It's like Steve Francis. I was like, who's Steve Francis? And then about a couple minutes to the game, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So uh, he was, you know, amazing. So, like, just those games, seeing those guys, like you said, the guys that probably never even made it to the league or had chances that you like, wow, he's some good kid. You know, because oh, yeah. like, was a guy named Kurt Smith. I'm sure you know who Kurt Smith is, right? Yeah. Um, so, Kurt, yeah, so Kurt Smith was an amazing guy that, for me, I, he's a, a guard, but I learned so much from him just watching him play. So, you know, those games were amazing for me to watch. Was he Charles Smith's brother? Yes. Yep. I saw him. He played in the McDonald's game. Yeah. Yep. And he, yeah. <laughs> yep. I saw him. He was good. Great handles. Yes. So John was awesome. telling me that the documentary is, is partly based on uh, Len Bias. Is that true? Well, mm -hmm. it, it basically, the, it, I was telling who, you know, the, it, for those that haven't seen it, it's really educational because it takes into account socioeconomics in regards to the African-American community. So moving to the PG County suburbs, which most people don't know is the largest suburban African-American county in the United States. Um, mm. And so the talent, when their families moved there and they had kids, what used to be in D downtown DC back in the 60s and 50s and 70s moved to PG County for the 80s and 90s. And the first one to come out of that was a hero. I mean, I grew up a huge Len Bias fan. I was actually at Len Bias's final game at Maryland on senior day. Oh, wow. And I went to, I went to Lefty Dreisel's basketball camp and actually knew Jay Bias a little, his brother, who, and Len Bias and Adrian Branch and Keith Gatlin and the whole gang would come and play pickup in the evening. And that's the year. And Ben Coleman, Ben Coleman was my hall monitor. And you'll love this, Mike. He had to go out on a date one night. And John Lucas was his replacement. <laughs> John, <laughs> John Lucas woke us all up at three in the morning for absolutely no reason whatsoever. He would, he knocked on all of our doors. Like I like literally, I went up to John Lucas at 12 years old and I looked at him, I go, Luke, baby, what the hell are you doing? It's three in the morning. He goes, my bad. And he closed the door. <laughs> now, John, which of those guys did you guard? 
Um, <laughs> oh, all of them. Uh, I played no. I, I, I was, I was. My station. People had stations. My station was the canteen. <laughs> I would buy gear and Milky Ways. That's and a, and a good. I wanted a good gear. I wanted autographs. And I like I shot two free throws and I went home. That was my experience at the University of Maryland after Drysdale basketball camp. I was totally, totally satisfied with it. Anyways, now Coach Sweetney, could you could you tell us a little bit? I, I know Mike probably has some, um, maybe some directions for where he wants to go. But um, I'm really curious about your experience as a coach, and and kind of how how that feels to you, and um, whether you're pulling things from your um, playing career and, and and you're aware of that as you're as you're tutoring young kids now at yeshiva um it kind of just uh fell into my lap where after when i stopped playing a parent had came to me back home in maryland i was in maryland and asked me can i um you know you know show his kid a few things and once they know i'm in the, i'm in the gym with the kid for a few minutes next thing you know it turns to an hour and a half and then the kid wanted more so i kept teaching next thing you know I started just, you know, training kids. I'm like, man, I love teaching the game. So I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. So one next thing you know, um, I went to Israel to visit uh, Tamir Goodman that did help his campus last summer. And Tamir was like, hey, man, you should really think about, like, really coaching coach. Like, you, you get the attention of the kids. They respect you. you know, you're a good teacher. You should be I'm like, man, you know, I don't know where to start. He's like, well, why not college? I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> it's a big jump. And um, so he called Elliot Steinmetz and um, Coach YU and um, – we talked for like five minutes. He's like, oh, you're hired. I was like, so it was like, look, I got hired by him like in five minutes. And uh, we just cut off our conversation. And um, so just getting into the game and just started really just, I didn't know, I guess all the experience I've had, ups and downs, you know, I kind of see things before it's going to happen on the game. I guess just my instincts happen. So it just kind of, I guess, been playing basketball since nine, <laughs> so I was nine years old. I often just, it was just thing, it just like clicked right away from him. Um, I was having no Phil Jack, but... <laughs> You know, just, you know, being able to call things before it happened, you know, try to, you know, give guys advice, of, you know, be in good position, um, you know, just little tricks I've learned in the game, like especially with the post guys, so much stuff that I've learned, tricks I've learned all the way, so, I, you know, I give it to them, and it's been working. So, um, it's been amazing. It's been an amazing jump for me. I'm loving them, having so much fun. Um, you know, obviously, can't help when you go to Yeshiva and they were 29 and 1 in the first year of coaching, so. That helps the confidence level. Um, when I was at Ramaz, uh, my girls, we lost our first three games. And um, I had a meeting with them. I gave them a good confidence talk. And we were our next eight games. So we finished the season eight and three and lost in the semifinals of playoffs. So um, kind of got off to a good start. So I'm just feeling good about it. It's been a lot of fun. Do you have any aspirations to to move back to the Division One level uh, where you played at Georgetown or get to the, to the professional level or are you at peace? Mm-hmm. Do you have more of an inner peace um, being sort of off? You know? I, I would never, ever, you know what I'm saying? I would never say, but right now I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for, because like I, I live the NBA life. I live the division one life. That life is, it's fast. It's crazy. Like you're on the go so much right now with a wife and three kids. I don't know how I'll balance it, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes when destiny calls, something, something may happen. So I, I would never say never, but, there's nothing that I'm looking for. Like I said, I'm happy at YU. I'm at peace. Like, um, I'm, you know, I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now. I'm, yes, I'm just, you know, YU, my schedule's flexible. Um, my able to do my public speaking. Um, still able to, you know, work with kids on the side. So right now, it's just, I'm at peace. I'm at happy. My kids are happy. My family's happy. So I'm a lot of people like, they ain't broke, don't fix it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Coach, I'm just, I'm, you know, having fun with it. Coach, you're big, you were a big time 
all met player out of high school, but talk about the impact of COVID and the lack of summer league to the guy that's be, or man or woman that's maybe a low D one that really needed that summer league to get seen. And without that, how that's going to impact both the recruiting for, you know, for all levels of D one, but also the players of the negative impact. That's going to have. So it's definitely going to hurt, especially guys that were, you know, on that cusp where they were looking forward to the dumb games and, so many said so many summer leagues and stuff just to try to get seen. So now, only you can kind of rely on is maybe your high school tape. And um, so I guess right now, coaches will probably have to get creative. But those guys are on a bubble. It really affects. I don't really, you know, I'm hoping it's maybe sometimes coaches okay. We got some other spots. Just you know, try to go on the whim, but it's going to hurt so many people. I Man, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. So it's definitely affected so much. And um, like I said, we basketball. I'm sorry. Guys going from high school trying to go to college. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys on a bubble from you know, college trying to go to pro. Like, you yeah. know, there are guys that sometimes guys look for that tournament. Right. You know, some guys have a good NCAA tournament to get sure. So, you know, that's a huge loss, too. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, uh, Mike. Um, how do you think the NCAA or the conferences, whether it's the Power Five or the mid-majors, have handled how they're going to approach the college basketball season from what you've heard? You know, Division Three is probably a little bit different than than uh, Division One. But do you think we should be playing college basketball right now? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. So here's my opinion. I'm just going to, you know, be – I'm one of those people, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, COVID has had me – it's scary. It scared the, scared the life out of me. And um, – Well, I noticed so you were now, wearing a mask. And was that because somebody's quarantining or you just you just do that? Oh, no. So I'm, not, I'm not at my house right now. Right now, so it's, I mean, this is the NBA – Players Association match. Oh. So I had to come to my kids right now. So I'm, we're, we're in, I'm yeah, just moving to New York. So we're in transition. So when COVID happened, I couldn't look for a house. So mm-hmm. we're still at extended state hotel looking oh, for a wow. home. Now. So hopefully we'll be moving soon. So my kids, I was in the, you know, in the room with my kids, and they were playing Fortnite, screaming to the top of their lungs. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to come downstairs and try to get to the lobby to get some, you know, some quiet time. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess it really just based off how, I'm just going to see how football season works, if it even does. Um, definitely, I don't think we should start right now. Uh, I know, I think, from what I heard, like, Big East play is not going to – I think they're going to jump right into this. They're planning on jumping into things in, in January. So, I guess we can just kind of, like, wait and see, give it a few months and just see if things are getting better. But if they're trying to say that we'll start with the next month or two, yeah, I'm not for that. I'm not comfortable because, um, you know, right now, like I said, numbers where I'm at here in New York, Numbers are down. It's like here, for example, they're trying to open schools here in in Jersey, and so they we have the option to you know do the send them to schools say virtual. So I said, look, I'm I'm saying virtual. I'm not too comfortable because every time kids are going to school, it's just not a bad situation. So just this past weekend, a bunch of high school kids in Jersey went to a party, and now I think it was like 40 kids caught COVID. So you're trying to send those same kids to high school, and it's the same thing with college, like. College guys, they're not just going to just stay in a bubble, go to class, and go to practice. No, guys don't want to – you see it happening now. It's on TV. You know, kids are partying. So, and all it takes is one or two guys to catch it, and the whole team or league is shut down. So, it's just – it's tough. I don't see – to be honest with you, I do not see how the NCAA is going to pull it off unless they do, which is impossible, with the NBA is on, is putting everybody in one bubble and just say, all right, this is how it's going to work. I don't see it. Well, they talk about – You're trying to ask they, guys that's 20 you – know, between 18 and 23 years old to live this, you know, life where you're just 
being responsible. I'm not saying they're not going to be irresponsible, but guys going to want to have fun. They're going to want to go have a party or go see a girl or whatever it may be. So They are going to be irresponsible. Huh? I mean, they are going to be irresponsible yeah. because that's what, that's what you do in your 20s. I mean, yeah, that, if, you don't, if you're not irresponsible in your 20s, you don't, you, you don't get it out of the way and you, you can't change when you're, you hit your 30s and you wind up being irresponsible in your 30s. So mm-hmm. it's gonna, that's going to happen. And, I, you know, I wonder, Mike, do you feel differently about yourself than you do about your kids? Like your exposure, would you feel okay going to the gym, but you wouldn't feel okay with the kids being in school? So that's the thing. So I kind of had a conversation with my wife. I was like, you know, she's like, you know, if they try to start their season up right now, like in the next, you know, month or two, and things are still where they are, it's a hard decision because I have a daughter that's high risk, you know. So I, I'm taking that chance of going to the gym and, you know, with my why you guys, you know, I'm banking on, you know, everybody, why you guys, this, you know, coaching staff of being responsible. And, you know, <laughs> It's a hard risk, you know. I love them, and I trust them, but you just you just don't know. It's the unknown, and uh, you know, I, I would feel like the worst person on earth if I did, you know, catch it and bring it back home to my daughter, which is who was high risk. She's only, you know, six years old. Mm-hmm. So, so you guys, from, yeah, you you guys were in an interesting an interesting cross section for me because I flew into Baltimore in early March to come to oh. the two games at Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. So I, I spent I spent a good bit of money on that airfare because I waited so long to find out where you were going to be, and then oh. the night be the night before, I'd had tickets at the box office. The night before, I got a text from a friend. It was probably eleven forty-five, just before midnight, who said they're they're not allowing fans at tomorrow's game, and I laughed because I thought that's ridiculous. What do you mean yeah. they're not allowing fans? And so I sat in my friend's living room and watched the video stream of the two games, which I thought were, they were great games, but I really wanted to see, yeah. uh, I wanted to see Ryan Terrell up close. I wanted to be there for Donnie Katz. I, I really wanted to be at the game. So that's kind of, for me, that's when all this started. Is that because there was conversation about that, you know, you guys were, you guys tested up in New York before you came down on the bus and, and, and was somebody on campus sick before you came down and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the thing. So with us, with that happened, um, one of the, um, I guess, you know, I guess when it first started, I guess the guy in Westchester County was one of the first people they kind of, I guess, you know, they found out they had it. And uh, his kid went to YU. And they found out that his kid had it. So his kid went to YU, another kid went to SAR. SAR so they found out. So I guess when they, once they figured the kid had it, they assumed that we all had it. So it was one of those situations where we were already in route down there. Nobody was tested. So it was unknown. It was like, hey, if anybody's been around this kid, it was so many things unknown. So especially with Hopkins being one of the biggest and best medical school <laughs> medical programs in the country, you know, that's where we get our information. That's where they get all our statistics. So when they reacted the way they did, guys were upset. But in the back of my mind, when you dig deep down, you understand, like, you know, they couldn't take that risk. And I'm sure they knew studies. They knew. So it was – you understood. You understood. Um it did suck when we got to the hotel and the hotel wouldn't take us. And it was a lot of hurt. It was a lot going on. It was a lot. Cause we, you know, our first hotel wouldn't take us. Um, it was just, mm-hmm. you know, cause at that point when COVID happened, nobody really understood it, really know how to handle it, what to do, masks, gloves, what? So it was so much confusion going on. And they said we were the first ones that played with no fans. And um, it actually wasn't that bad. So it wasn't that bad at all. Actually for the guys. 
Well, this is the Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 11. We're being joined by Mike Sweetney from Georgetown University and the NBA's New York Knicks and Chicago Bulls. I want to change gears a little bit here. And uh, in the midst of this pandemic, uh, we had a social uprising and something that we all three, I'm sure all four of us, have been very passionate about. We've dedicated a lot of time on the podcast to the movement, the racial reckoning, as Dr. Uh, Lapchick called it, uh, who we had on the podcast in the last episode, uh, voted as one of the top 100 most influential people in the history of sports. And I uh, wanted to give you an opportunity uh, on this platform to share your thoughts about everything and if there's anything we can do to continue to listen and learn and mm-hmm. to you know, be a part of um, changing everything from the microaggressions and the aggressions and just the way mm-hmm. that people... Uh, see the narrative differently over the next uh, few decades? Um, definitely. I mean, I, I agree. Um, it's, it's, been, you know, it's been a lot going on in society, and uh, it's been something, you know, you know me as an African-American male, um, it, you know, it, is, it is, you know, it is tough. It's one of those things where, you know, I guess, you know, the whole police brutality and, you know, being racially profiled, you know, it's, it is tough, you know, at times. But it's, and it's, it's sad that I say this, but I've become immune to it. And I know, I know it's not okay. <laughs> I've become immune to it. So it's one Have of you ever been racially where, profiled while you were driving or walking or at, on campus oh, or anything I mean, like yeah, that? Many a times. Uh, weirdly, Georgetown, no. And I'm sure people probably felt some things because, uh, but, um, you know, playing in NBA, I've had some stuff done and said to me. Um, wow. Yeah, and just in general in life, like, yeah, I've had people say things and do things. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it, it's definitely hurtful and, um it was crazy. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. So where I live now, I'm in, I'm in New Jersey, and um, it's a predominantly so put it like this. My kids, it's probably maybe about five or six African American kids in the school they go to, and I was so nervous wow. on sending them to to the school where we are right now. And when I got there, it was total opposite. Like you know, they took my kids, and it was just so much going. It was amazing. So you know, I'm a firm. I give I give I'm not. I give people a chance. Like hey, like you know. You accept. I'm the type of person. I love. I love. I'm gonna love you and respect you no matter what. And that's what. I, and that's what I'm hoping the world gets to, where no matter the, the color of a person's skin, um, you know, it should be love, love and respect. You know, if we can start loving and respecting each other. I think the world will be a better place. And um, then one thing I touched on with Coach Elliott, and it's not just. Don't get me wrong. The African American community is under attack, but also the Jewish community is under attack. You know, it's been a lot of, you know, hate crimes up here, too. So me and him, me and Ellie, we've had many conversations wondering, like, how can we get these both of these communities to work together? And because we both are under attack in different, not, not the same scenario, but in different scenarios. Like, we're getting attacked by police and, you know, the Jewish community just getting attacked for no reason. And then some of it is just, it's my community. And, um, and for me being here, the Jewish community has been so much here for my family when how can we help? And I, I think that's one of the things that bothers me when African American some of the African Americans do attack the Jews. I'm like, hey, like you guys really dig deep down. They're on your side more than you think they are. I don't know why you think they're against you. And uh, and I feel like if we can work together and just make this world a better place. Mm-hmm. That's just how I feel. I'm just wanna just find a way, how can we make peace? Make everybody just well, accept each other and love each other and respect. Yeah, well, we we applaud you for having that type of uh, attitude, considering you've been through so much yourself, which, you know, uh, as Dr. Jonathan Alexander Lowney said when he was on our show, that there are spaces that you can never go to that we can go to all the time. 
And so it's really hard for me to understand what you've been through. And, but I, I can try and empathize as much as I can. And I applaud you for continuing to uh, have hope and take that attitude of uh, treating everyone equally. Uh, I want to change here. September is uh, National Suicide Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And I know you've, uh, as you said, you were in the middle of Times Square at one point and you were in a really dark place, uh, even though everyone else saw you as being sort of on top of the world, being a top 10 draft pick. And talk a little bit about what you would feel comfortable talking about in terms of what you do to speak on this matter, mental, mental illness. And, you know, I know Kevin Love has come out and been sort of yeah. a spokesperson for the NBA. And, and I know you've been through some things. So... I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah. So um, just a quick little, you know, rundown of what happened. Um, right before my rookie season, uh, my father had a uh, passed away of a massive heart attack, like maybe like four or five days before training camp started. And my father he was like my best friend. The person introduced me to the game of basketball. He was like my everything that rock. So it was just like talk to him that morning. And then afternoon, just suddenly I like, get a phone call. He's gone. So it was one of those things where I my father to rest and say, okay, you know, went to training camp two days later. So I said, okay, I'm just going to use basketball as my outlet, you know, just letting things go. And which it was at that point during training camp, I was doing, you know, doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was, you know, you know, kicking butt and taking names. So I was hoping, I would say, okay, hopefully, you know, and everything was going great. So I was like, I'm hopefully I'll be the starter. That's, that's, that's how good I was doing in training camp. I was like, okay, I should be the starter. And some of my teammates were like, yeah, you probably start, dude, like you, Nobody's better than you right now. And um, I got the news when my coach pulled me in before the season started and was like, hey, um, you know, you're not going to play. So I'm thinking, like, okay, maybe he's saying, like, I'm just not going to start. He said, yeah, you're not going to dress. We're just going to put you in a suit and you're going to be IR. And I'm like, why? And he's like, yeah, you know, you're a rookie. You got to pay your dues. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, hold on. I'm in, I'm in here in practice. You know, nobody can go. I'm doing, like, what are you talking about? This makes no sense. And so it started to take a toll where it got to a point where basketball just wasn't even fun. Hated going to practice, hated going to games. Um, you know, I'm sitting in the, you know, watching LeBron and D-Wade, those guys get opportunities, you know, careers taken off. And then, you know, I'll get, they'll take the IR and put me in bad situations where it's like, oh, you play two, three minutes here. And so this started making me look like I was just a horrible player. And it was a bad situation. And um, it started to get the best of me. It took a toll, like, you know, basketball wasn't fun. It wasn't my outlet. So then I'm also going home to an empty home where I'm still grieving my father. So everywhere I went, it was just no peace of mind. Basketball, basketball wasn't it. Wasn't it. You know, I got people on the street like, hey, man, what's going on? Why are you not playing? And why are you not doing this? And you should, you know. And, that, you know, hearing that all the time, it was like, all right, everywhere I'm going, I'm just, just facing some type of whatever. I got to a point. I just got into a really, really dark place. And I just, you know, two times while I was playing in the NBA, I tried to end it all, you know, try to take, you know, pills to just to end it because I was just tired. Mm -hmm. And um, I really got into a, you know, got to a point where, you know, it got worse. It got worse than that. And I just said, when I quit, walked away from the game of basketball for a little bit. Um, then my wife told me she was pregnant with my oldest son now. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I knew I had to make a change. I didn't know how to make a change, but I finally got, you know, met the right person and got the help that I needed to, you know, just release what happened to my NBA career, accept my father's death. And just learn how to deal with, you know, adversity in life. So um, once I did that, I started becoming a better, pay, you know, person. And I be able to. So like now, and I, I don't, not, you know, I don't even get to the point where 
I'm like really depression. You know, depression. I might get upset or something, something like, you know, whatever. But I know how to handle it. I know how to deal with things, deal with life. So I kind of just now I'm at a point where I'm able to share my story and I'm comfortable to say, hey, look, you know, I was this guy. I had a, you know, to say, yeah, you said before, I had a billboard in Times Square. And, you know, I was on top of the world to other people, but <laughs> inside, I was probably the lowest of the low. And, uh, and I just try to share the story that no matter where you are in life, where you high or low, you know, we all go through things where we might need to, you know, some people are depressed more than others. Some people are more clinical. Some people are more spiritual. And I just try to share what I went through to hopefully make people comfortable of saying, hey, you know, that's stigma. Like, they're still like, you know, if you're going through something, you're not crazy. Like, you know, you're human. You know, we all go through it. And it's, you know, let's talk about it. Why don't you get some help? Um, you know, talk to a friend, talk to a spiritual person, get a counselor. Just something just to release that. And that's just my, my pride right now is just trying to, you know, change that stigma that, you know, that tell as many people as possible my story, my life, how I overcame it. And, hey, if you're going through this right now, you know, there are better days ahead. But, you know, it's all about talking and releasing and, and, and try to make those steps forward. And obviously everybody's situation is different, but that's just my journey right now. Mike, was there enough, was there enough uh, done by the league? I know they have a big program for incoming uh, rookies, um, a big education program. Uh, I was in Orlando for a season, so I, I got a chance to see some of that stuff. I, is it enough? Um, now they're working. Now it's getting to a point now where you got your start. And when I was playing, no. Uh, you look at somebody like Ron Artest, a.k.a. Metal World Peace, whatever you guys want to call him. But um, you look at somebody like him, he was deemed as this crazy guy. And I've had many conversations with him and been around him far from him. You know, I don't know what his, I don't want to go deep, but I don't know what his situation was, but people deemed him as crazy. So at that point, when I was playing, he was looked at as crazy. So that's why I, uh, that's why I kind of hit it. You know, that's why I didn't really tell anybody. But um, now they're starting to put things in place because you got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, um, DeMar DeRozan, so many of these, you know, high-profile guys coming out saying, hey, I got anxiety, I have depression, or I have, you know, issues. So now they're starting to have this program in place where they're trying to – I think it's all about getting guys to trust. So I think that's the hardest part, but at least they're trying to go in the right direction. But that program you're talking about is the NBA that's the transition program. When I – man, I think now it's different. Now they talk about it. But when I was playing, we didn't talk about mental health at all. It was more so how to deal with your money – um, how to deal with the you know NBA travel schedule and just how to deal with being an NBA player. They had never talked about hey taking care. They always say you know being in best shape and they never talk about you know taking care of your mental. So, yeah. So now I think they're starting to get it and say okay this is very important. Mike, did you know Eddie Griffin back in the day yes. from Seton Hall? And he had yeah, a he had a he I mean he obviously he committed suicide. And yeah. uh, it was very similar story except it sounds like he didn't get the help he needed and. Yeah, and like, you know, when, you know, Eddie was a, you know, a great guy and this, and I remember hearing this story and I was like, wow, like, you know, I was planning to look at that mm -hmm. time and I was like, wow, this is, you know, eye opening. It was, it was hurtful. Um, but not saying I understand it, but I, like when he was going through at that time when we were playing, whatever he was going through, he probably didn't feel comfortable going to, a, you know, especially us young guys as rookies. Sure. You know, we probably wouldn't last long. They'd probably get cut the next day. Sure. You know, if they think they should do that. Whereas, High profile guy that you've been for the doubt, but he probably felt like he had no way to turn because people assume, okay, you got millions of dollars. How can you know that person on the outside? How can you be miserable? Or how right. can you be sad? How can you be going through something? So it was a sad story to hear that probably he probably felt like he had no way to turn. Right. Talk about the pressure being a first round pick by the New York Knicks and how that compounds it 
compared to being, let's say, a first-round pick by the Charlotte Hornets? <laughs> so when I tell people the story, they think I'm crazy. So <laughs> I didn't have any pressure because I had so much going on with the Knicks. I'm sure you guys know. It was, we had so much drama. They almost tend to forget about me a little bit because, you know, they had like the sexual harassment lawsuits going on. Um, you know, Stefan was going back and forth with the coaches and general managers. And it was it was something going on, you know, because this was Isaiah Thomas there. So right. there was so much going on. I, I hate to say, you know, I'm going to say I got lucky, but they kind of forgot about, you know, that rookie guy that's not panning out too well to an extent. Of course, I had some articles here and there, but that took up most of it because it was so much, so much high profile stuff. You got high profile names and, right, you know, Interesting. yeah. So I kind of, they kind of, I kind of got swept under the rug a little bit. So, yeah, but I'm sure now, I'm guaranteed it's definitely tough because me, obviously New York is the biggest media market in the country. So, but we had, they had other bigger fish to fry than that than me not panning out too well. Gotcha. What do you think the yeah. biggest problem is with the Knicks? I'd probably be remiss if I didn't ask your opinion. You know, James Dolan, <laughs> It gets a bad rap. You know, he does a lot of things filling with with philanthropy. You know, he, he does yeah. a lot with uh, hurricanes and, but he, yeah. he just seems like he, he's making all the wrong decisions. And obviously they, they got unlucky a couple of days yeah. ago with the draft that they're going to get the yeah. ninth pick. But what, what, what are your opinions about James Dolan? So personally, I have like all people, I tell people like the interactions I've had with James Dolan, he's a great guy. You know, he'll give you a shirt off his back doing things for you. If I call James Dolan right now and say, hey, I'm in a dire situation, I need help or whatever, he'll be there. He's a, he's a, he's a great guy. He was always good. Like, hey, need anything? You were you're just an amazing person. Mm. So I always tell people this. I don't know. Like, I'm not in those meetings when, it's, when he's talking with the general manager and the coaches. So I don't know what goes on. I'm assuming – and now I want to say it's all him. It may be a collective effort. It may be some, you know, people in the front office and they everybody's not on the same page, but – Personally, as a man, I would say he's a great person from, you know, my experience. I'm sure, obviously, the Oakley stuff and the Spike Lee stuff didn't go too well. Right. Um, but he's never treated me, you know, me or my family anyway, nobody bad at all. So, but I think it's more so of a collective effort. Obviously, him being the, being on the forefront, being the owner, you know, of course, he gets yeah. the backlash. But I don't think it's all 100% on him. I think it's a collective effort. Sure. Mike, I, I lived in New York for a long time, and so this is going to be an off question most people don't get. How much of a pain is it for the practice facility to be in Westchester, but the arena to be in New York City, and not to have for the? Do you think it hurts in the free agency thing? I know it sounds crazy, but if you live in New York, you know what a pain it is to drive that to the Knicks to get a practice facility downtown, so that the whole thing is downtown. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. But for me. Um, it was definitely hard sometimes. Like some days, you know, it'll take you almost two hours to get to the game. <laughs> right. You know, some days, point. like by the time I get home from shoot around, I get like an hour power nap. So they they try to come up. When I was there, we came up with a plan where we would have shoot around the garden. They would give us a hotel. We would have shoot around the morning at the hotel. I mean, at the garden. They'll get us a hotel, you know, a couple, two blocks away. And they would just, the way that way we get more rest and no traffic. But, um, you know, like I said, it's nothing like having everything all in one facility, one right there, one hop, skip, and a jump. It was the same way when I was in Chicago, too. Like, our facility was the same thing, you know, upstate and had to go. Oh, really? To okay. City. Yeah. So it's definitely tough. And like I said, now, you know, a lot of teams are putting everything in all in one place. I think right. Brooklyn had everything in one yeah, place. Yeah, Bro so, Brooklyn's figured it out that that was not. Yeah. So, they I mean, use it as a, a recruiting tool. They use it as a recruiting yeah. tool yeah, it is. when it's they're going up against the Knicks. Because like, no 22-year-old wants to live in Westchester. 
I mean, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's tough. You know, it's definitely tough. So, but um, it wasn't, you know, I think for me, I was so, you know, I was young. Right. I'm coming from, you know, not having much to the sure. facility we had at it. So that's the thing, though. But the facility in Westchester is, yeah, it's amazing. Cool. <laughs> it has anything, you can, everything you can think of there that you wouldn't have to worry about anything. So it's a catch-22. But definitely if that facility was in a city, that would be amazing. What's your opinion about the bubble? Uh, obviously, it's been successful. There's no fans. The virtual fans are hilarious. Uh, you played against Carmelo Anthony when he won a national championship at Syracuse. And, uh, you know, he sort of reinvented himself. He didn't have a good game the other night. But um, what are your thoughts about the bubble and, and how, you know, the home court advantage is sort of neutralized? And, you know, yeah. do you have any opinions about how, how, how the games have been going from your perspective? So, for me – the bubble shocked me. I didn't. I was like, I thought about guys having a long layoff. I thought it was going to be sloppy basketball. But it's been amazing. It's been good basketball. It's been for everybody who's been competing. Um, it's been good basketball so far. Um, definitely, you know, I think it, it is a little weird now watching the playoffs and everybody's in the same race. No, you know, it's like I said, it's a neutral thing. It's like playing an NCAA tournament type thing where it's no, you know, if you're on the road, you got fans screaming at you. You're at home, you fans to get extra energy. So I'm sure that's probably a little awkward for the guys. But just the competition and guys competing, it's been, it's been great basketball. I mean, I've been definitely surprised and shocked by it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I, oh, maybe I've just been missing basketball so much. I'm not paying attention <laughs> to it. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's been, it's been great so far. But, obviously, that, that being that one part now, the playoffs, it's, it's just definitely weird for me to watch it not having guys be home and run. You know, you can see like Houston right now, you know, you're seeing the, all the red in the background or they have a white out or a red out. It's just weird. You know, some little things you look for that you don't see. So, it's, you know, definitely weird not seeing that. You know, the games change, obviously. There was, you know, uh, metrics has changed the game. The, the low post play has changed. How good – you were – It's changed. League, it's gone. It's gone. But how, <laughs> how good are these guys? I mean, is Harden in the same conversation with Jordan in terms of scoring? You know, these guys are so skilled. It's just yeah. – they make it look so easy. It's just – you know, and I'm a professional skills trainer in basketball. Yeah. And I try and teach some of these things. But when I watch seven-footers doing some of this stuff and the – you know, obviously mm -hmm. the zero dribble is not a travel in the NBA where it, as it would be in college, for example. Yeah. So they get away with some things that, that other levels can't. I mean, talk about for a couple minutes how, how good, how unbelievably good these guys are that we watch that make it look so easy. Oh, so definitely for me, I know my era guys are probably mad at me saying this, but definitely it probably is a lot more talent now. Because whereas, you know, sometimes, you know, probably when I era, you know, out of a you know, 12, 15-man roster, you probably got about five guys that can score. Whereas now – you probably got about 10 guys that can, you know, put the ball in the hole and some guys are sitting on the bench that can, you know, probably give you some buckets. So the talent level is through the roof. Whereas now you got guys like Joel Embiid who can put it on the floor, play the post up, shoot the three, you know, pretty much as a, as a big man starting the league now, if you can't shoot the three, you probably ineffective, you know, you're not going to play on the, be on the full long, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's uh, the talent level. Like you see, say James Harden, Steph Curry, the way these guys are shooting, man, the shooting is like, unbelievable like so just the shooting the ball handling everything is like shooting ball handling um it's amazing it's, it's, it's just it's just through the roof i mean a lot of people for me it's entertaining i mean i, I get you know missing the post you know play and the physical basketball i do miss that but 
to me, sometimes it is entertaining. So it's not I mean, bad. I mean, your skill level is definitely high on every play right now. I mean, you're uh, coaching. Coach, you like, you like Portland over L.A., don't you, in the series? Oh, God. Come on, So man. before before Dane got hurt, I really did not know. But now um, I think the Lakers might be where. But at that point, it was one of those things where I just didn't know because Portland was so hot. <laughs> you know, it was so hot, and Dane was on another level. You got C.J. McCullum. I just didn't see the Lakers – you know, just really matching up with that, um, you know. And LeBron, you know, he's—I don't want to say he's slowing down. He's just not that. He's not aggressive like he used to. Be. I don't know what it is. He's only averaging sixteen points well, right you now. You know, he's busy trying to get people to vote too. He's not just playing ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's—he's—he's he's, he's kind of expanded his 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 workload. But yeah. isn't this isn't a situation where Dallas is pushing the Clippers to? be able to take their game to the next level, which they haven't been forced to do yet, and the Lakers either, and they're capable of that. And I don't know if Dallas yet, maybe in a couple mm-hmm. of years, they will be with those two guys, uh, Porzingis and, and Doncic. And, you know, the Clippers, you know, they have two Hall of Famers on their team, and they haven't been forced to take it to the next level. And, and regular season basketball is not the same as playoff basketball with or without fans. No, yeah, I agree 100%. Like with the Clippers – you know, they have so much firepower. It's, it's you know, ridiculous with them. You know, so don't get me wrong. Like, Dallas, you know, they've given them, you know, they, they pushed them a little bit. And, um, but like you said, and also obviously Dallas is coming. You know, there's one of those teams you can see, like, okay, this team may add, a, you know, another some more pieces. You know, this is a team to be reckoned with. They could be, probably will be one of the top teams in the West at one point. So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Like, for me, it's so many scenarios right now. Like I said, I know with the whole – Portland thing, I just one of those things. I just wasn't confident in the Lakers. Like now, with the injury to Dame Dame Lillard, anything could happen. But before that, I, you just don't know. They just so unpredictable. Like everybody said, oh, they're gonna turn it on. They're gonna turn it on. At some point, they keep saying it since the bubble started. <laughs> so that's you when. Know, what is it going to happen? So we'll see. Now there must be some strategic differences, right, between what we're talking about now at the at the pro level and and what you did as a pro and what's happening at yeshiva so how have you adjusted to what the offense is like uh at yu how has that been i was going to ask about that about motion offense because they run motion maybe better than indiana used to run uh, motion from the game yeah so for me uh it was amazing to watch and i think for us why it works so well because we had um you know guys from one to 15 everybody was selfish like hey it's all about team where you know we got Gabe has like Gabe and Ryan who probably can put the ball in the hole every time they want to touch the ball. But it's like, how can I get my, how can I get the next guy open? So it's, I think that's what helps us a lot because we're, you don't have selfish guys. That's a hard offense to run when you got some guys that want to break it off sometimes to get theirs. So, you know, coaches put in a good little, you know, you know, whole accountability with guys where it's about team. And I think that's why it's ran so well because we don't have guys that want to break it off here and there to get their thing. It's just like, Let's get the best shot for the next open person. And I think that's why it's worked. So how many times did you go to Elliot Steinmetz, the head coach, and, and suggest some pick and roll action and have him wave <laughs> have him wave you off? Oh yeah, no, nah, not one time. Not one time because they Okay. Because and Elliot, he'll probably tell you this. They ask him, like, we don't really have to coach much for them. I mean, obviously some stuff, but like the seniors we had, they held each other so accountable. It was like I've been around a team like that all my life from high school, college, pro, where people held guys accountable and you can say whatever to a guy. You know, there was no selfish, selfless guys where, you know, it's not one guy. I'm sure guys probably upset about playing time. 
behind closed doors. They don't bring it on the floor. So, and the offense ran so smoothly. So, but it wasn't much we had to say. Instead, you know, sometimes coach had to call a timeout to our guys. Y'all not taking these guys serious. Let's play harder. But other than that, it was just, it was an easy team to coach. So, it was one of those things. You just, the offense just ran itself. So, it was cool. Well, you guys won 29 games in a row also after losing your first game. So, that obviously helps. You're joining us in the Sports Deli with special guest Mike Sweetney, who played at Georgetown University, was a Naismith Player of the Year finalist and a candidate for the John R. Wooden Award uh, after his junior year. Um, how was the experience at Georgetown in a predominantly white school uh, under uh, Craig Escherich uh, when Coach Thompson wasn't there anymore? And he says hello, by the way. I, I reached out to him before the podcast. He's going to come on next week, probably. Yeah, yep. That's my guy, yeah. I, love, yeah. I, I just, I see someone because I text him a couple of weeks because I was watching the game, and he was like going on the ref for me because I guess I didn't get a foul. I was like, Coach, man, you, you, <laughs> you, you had my back, man. I, was, I love you, man. I just should have broke back and laughed. It's about a month ago I texted him that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but um, that was a great experience. Um, you know, Craig was an awesome coach. Um, he's one of the guys. He's probably why I am where I am today because. Um, mm. When I came in as a freshman, we had a guy named Lee Scruggs and Cortland Freeman, who was like an all, you know, he was like a high-ranked guy. Lee Scruggs was coming off a good year. We had Bunche Bunche. We had a really talented team. There. Everybody kept saying, oh, you ain't going to see the floor when you get here, your first couple years. And I went in there like, all right, I'm going to prove you guys wrong. And Craig saw my potential. was like, yo, you're my guy. You're starting. I was like, really? He was like, yeah, you, you know, you put in work. You did what you're supposed to do. And he, he believed it. He put me in a position to succeed. And he put the ball in my hands as a freshman. We had a talented team with the CCC my freshman year. And he's like, look, you know, I know I got Kevin Braswell's guys, but I want you to carry this. So he gave me that confidence that I know I can do it. So I, I, I give a lot of respect to him. That's awesome. For sort of a separate note, what's your relationship with Spike Lee? Um, I don't really know him that well. I met him a handful of times when I played with the Knicks. Um, you know, a couple of times I met him, he was, you know, cool, very passionate Knicks fan, like, He's like, he lives and breathes like the New York Knicks. Um, so I just say he was just a very supportive guy. Like, you know, he pays attention to the game of basketball, but we probably had about maybe three or four conversations that were like short. So I don't really, you know, say I can say I know him as a, a, ten, a friend, but we, you know, we've had some crossings, but uh, you know, for the times I met him, he was, you know, he was a cool guy. That's awesome. I was, I was going to follow yeah. up with if he ever chewed you out or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever get now, Mike, on you? Hey, Mike, can, Mike, can you guys, can you, what, during the game, it, can you hear people who are, are seated courtside? I know Reggie, uh, I know Reggie can hear people, but can, can everybody really hear them? Can, yeah, of course, of course. Like, especially if somebody's saying something that really gets your interest, of course, you pay attention to it. But, you know, a lot of times there's so much going on, but when somebody's saying something that really interests you, like, you know, they talk about your mom or say something about your game, then you're kind of like, okay, who's that talking? You want to see who it is? And, Get a, you know, catch my content and say, yeah, I hear you. So, but yeah, you definitely can hear it. <laughs> well, Spike doesn't go unnoticed, that's for sure. His his courtside persona and presence is, uh, uh, I think, probably legendary at this point. Oh, yeah, he's called to make some games just by him. You know, he's it's a good fan, but sometimes he talks too much and get guys going. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to share with us uh, that you want to uh, tell everybody out there about, you know, what you're doing and – Anything that people don't know that might not have asked you in your past interviews or podcasts or anything that you've been a part of? Um, pretty much. I think you guys, you know, covered it all. I'm, I'm obviously, you know, I'm coaching at YU and, you know, I'm a big mental health advocate. Um, you know, 
I'm one of those people that um, I don't care who you are. If you want to reach out and talk and just something going on in life, you just need somebody to talk to. Um, I'm one of those guys you can reach out to me on social media or something, <laughs> you know, to just say, hey, man, I, I got some, you know, rough life going. I'm one of those guys like, hey, obviously I'm not a doctor, so don't, I'm not saying that part, but you just need somebody just to vent to, just to say, hey, you know, I, I've been where you are. You know, there are brighter days. I'm that guy. So, you know, I'm a huge mental health advocate. I love being there for people. So, What's and, your um, uh, what's your Instagram page or so your Twitter Instagram, page? Um, my Instagram is um, at Mike Sweetney. Mm-hmm. Facebook is Michael Sweetney also. M I K E S W E E T N E Y. Because some people always call me Sweetney and not Sweetney, so right. it's Sweet S W E E T N E Y. So now, can um, you? Yeah, are you on Twitter? Coach? Yeah, I don't use it. I don't, I, you I don't think use I have it, a page, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I don't. yeah, yeah. No tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, can you? Can, I'm one of those guys. Can, I'm horrible at social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can, can you do something about the two guys that uh, broadcast your streams? <laughs> what streams? The the, oh. the game streams at Yeshiva. <laughs> you know, Coach. Uh, 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 I watch a lot of those streams. You know, sometimes I watch them in the coach's office before our practice or before we play a game because yeah. the time zones or whatever. I try to keep up with your schedule mostly for, you know, uh, Donnie Katz and, 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 and his dad and stuff. But uh, uh, sometimes I have to turn the sound down. I, you know, I love those guys. I love those guys. <laughs> but they, they, they need a little basketball education, Coach. Yeah, I've, I've heard it a few times, man. Um, Maybe when things get back to uh, normal, you can, have a little, you can have a little, a little sit down, a little tea time with those guys and, and, yeah. and explain, you know, a little bit about, you know, they're too, they're too busy yelping the best delis in New York. That's funny. Yeah, those, those guys are hilarious because, like, I, I know Poppers. So, Poppers, we've had some interesting conversations before. So, he's one of those guys that he loves to watch basketball, but I think he's still trying to learn and understand it. But now, why you were starting to get a little bit more fanfare coming to you, I guess probably when he started, it was probably like maybe 10 or 12 people wanted to watch. And now you got a couple hundred. So, now. <laughs> you got to know what you're talking about now. So right, you got to raise your he's game. A, he's a great guy, but he, right. just, he just has to learn the, you know, the game a little bit more because it's you know it's definitely into. I've I've heard that many a times. So that's why we said. As <laughs> soon you started talking, I knew exactly where you were going. That's why I started laughing because yeah, he's he's a funny guy, man. <laughs> All right, let's close it out with uh, this or that part of the podcast. All right, here we go. Give us which answer best fits. What you what you prefer? All right, Scooby Doo or Tom and Jerry? Ooh, I'm gonna say Scooby Doo because my kids love Scooby Doo. Wife is a huge Scooby Doo fan, so I'm gonna say Scooby Doo. Nice pancakes, waffles, or French toast? Wow, that is a tough one. I'm gonna John, do you want to weigh in on that one? <laughs> waffles. I can tell you that John's waffles all I'm the way. I'm a huge well. Waffle House as fan. As, as I recommend the I recommend the All American at Waffle House. You can't go wrong. Six ninety eight. And I and, and for a dollar fifteen more, you can double down and get double waffles. I yeah. highly recommend. It. God bless him. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely I'm going French toast with challah bread, for sure. You have to do challah. You have to do the yeah. challah bread. If you yes. period, exactly yep. correct. It's, it's definitely much fluffier. All right, yeah. uh, Doctor Doctor Pepper or root beer? Ooh, um, I'm gonna say root beer because I like root beer flows. So root beer. Burgers or pizza? burgers myspace or facebook <laughs> wow so i'm gonna I'm, was- I'm gonna go facebook because I, I never had myspace page so i'm gonna go facebook all right if you were playing a song in the background what would it be uh 
with people around or by myself? Both. <laughs> um, <laughs> pe- people around right now, I'm going to say Drake's new song. Oh, nice. Nobody around, I'm going to say, um, I don't know if I want to say this. <laughs> <laughs> I love very I'm a white. Big Taylor Swift no. fan. I'm, all okay, I'm gonna say is, I'm gonna say oh, I'm a wow. Big Taylor Swift fan. Oh wow! Wow, that was unexpected. <laughs> I listen to a lot of her songs, so yeah. So when, when I'm in the car by myself, yeah, I, you know, when I'm with the fellas, I can't play that. Oh wait, so uh, okay. So hold on a second. Do you have your your favorite imitation of anybody, or sing sing a, a couple lines from Taylor's songs? No, aren't we having Taylor that. Swift on the show <laughs> next week? Yes. Since you will. Uh, yeah. I'll do it. If she's on the show, I'll come on and do it for her. <laughs> All, All right. right. Keep that in mind. All right. Uh, candy or popcorn at the movies? Oh, candy by far. I'm, I'm probably the worst candy person, junkie there is. If you had to replace your legs with an animal, what animal would have the best type of legs for you to replace them with? Ooh. What kind of question is that? Kind of, uh, no, I, I have no because I actually had an answer, but I, I was going to say a giraffe. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm gonna probably say an elephant. So have some good, strong legs, sturdy legs. Good for posting up. Yep. <laughs> Space Jam or Hoosiers? Space Jam. Oh, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. I, I'm gonna have to unfriend. <laughs> I'm gonna have to unfriend you. <laughs> 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 Coach Carter or Blue Chips? Uh, Blue Chips. I'm a Shaq guy. Yeah. Shaq was one of my idols going up. So. Man, did you see that last night with the basketballs and him and Barkley with the, with the, with the Cokes or the beers, whatever they were, what, what they did? No, nah, I missed it. They put they – the cha- I usually watch them. The challenge was to put a drink, a soda can, on the basketball and drop the basketball on the ground – and then the can would pop up in the air, and they had to catch as many cans as they could in 45 seconds. Charles was terrible. Shaq got three. I'm, I was getting ready to say, I know Charles is horrible. <laughs> and one of them hit him dead, dead center in the chest, and his yeah. reaction was, was, was great. Yeah, Charles is funny, man. <laughs> oh, man, that guy. Uh, <laughs> love and basketball or white men can't jump? Whoa, I'm going to say white men. That's, hey, that's a tough one. I'm going to go 1A, white man can't jump, and 1B, <laughs> love and basketball. Both there of those, both of those, like some of my favorite movies. Oh, those were great. Uh, Snickers or Kit Kat? Since you love candy, I'm gonna go Snickers. Skittles or M and M's? Skittles. Mario Brothers or Tetris? Mario. I still play Mario to this day. Now you're probably <laughs> there. You go. Now you're probably gonna be biased to KD, so I should probably shouldn't ask you this question. But LeBron or KD? Oh, LeBron. LeBron or Michael? Oh, Michael. <laughs> Monopoly or Scrabble? I'm gonna say Scrabble because I'm better, but Monopoly I suck. I always get, <laughs> always lose. So I'm gonna, just, <laughs> I'm gonna say Scrabble. Dishes or vacuum? Vacuum. Batman or Spider Man? Wow, got me on that one. I'm gonna say a slight edge to Batman. And shower in the morning or in the evening? That's tough. I do both. But I'll say I'll say the evening is probably better to help me unwind down. I don't yeah. pass up because then I don't feel better. I don't feel weird. <laughs> I don't now take a shower before I leave out. We should say at That's the end t- of the this and that segment each time, uh, no animals were harmed during the filming of this <laughs> segment, and John and I had no no uh, investment in that this segment whatsoever. It's all Mike. 
<laughs> I take full ownership of this. Well, Mike, we really appreciate your time. It's been enlightening. Uh, thank you, guys. I'm glad, glad we that... finally got this done. I know we've been missing each other for a couple weeks, so thank uh, you. Don't worry that. about it. Yeah, we're, we're Coach, excited. That you Coach, it's find. really great to hear that things are, are going in a, um, a positive direction for you. I'm really happy to hear that. You know, I've got a, a longstanding relationship with Tamir. And, and to be yeah. quite honest, uh, anybody that Tamir gives a thumbs up to is uh, more than just a good person. Is an amazing person. Um, and so, you know, we're really glad that things are going in, in a positive direction. And, and I always say thank you. And I, and I tell him that all the time. Like, thank you for the opportunities. And for him. I take pride in if you tell somebody, hey, you know, Michael's a guy. I always try to make him make sure I make him look good. So, because, you know, he's one, of, he's one of the most respected guys. He's an amazing person. So he's one of my close right. friends. We talk a lot. So Now you should know that sure he, I do. He, he, he fired me from camp. And and then he hired you, so I'm no, that's not true. I'm res I'm responsible for you having that that job in a weird way. That's that what he's selling to me. He's bringing everybody if he said he want to come. That's true. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you're. I'm sure your kids are waiting. Uh, uh, anything else for yeah. the good of the cause? Otherwise, uh, thanks again for coming on. We're honored to to have you and hear what you had to say. And we're. You don't have to work hard to be who you are and be the amazing person that you are. And I'm glad you got through the, those dark times and you're paying it forward. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you guys. And keep it going, yeah. guys. Appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, Mike. Great, to have you. Sounds good, great Mike. having you. Thank you so much. Much love. Be good. All right, guys. Have a good right. one. Stay safe. Peace. Yep. You too. You too. Okay. That was great. It was very good. I, I enjoyed him tremendously. Good guy. Great guy to have gone through that and, you know, doing what he's doing, feeling comfortable in his own skin to not worry about whether or not, you know, he's at the division one level or professional level that he's fine doing girls high school and boys D three. Like that's just, I, I imagine it's hard for someone who played in the NBA and division one basketball at that level to, for a lot of people, they couldn't do what he's doing. Agree. You mean because of their ego? Yeah. Because of their ego or, you know, maybe because of their, uh, their upbringing or, you know, the cultural uh, differences or, you know, not wanting to have conversations with people different than yourself, you know, but he, it seems like he's been on this path for a while now since, you know, he went through this almost 10 years ago or more than 10. Yeah. Years. Maybe you reach a, maybe you reach a point of acceptance, you know, where you're kind of able to kind of take what comes along. And these are the opportunities that have presented themselves to him. And uh, you know, why say no? Maybe well, like you said, well, like you said, his dad, even though, you know, he was very depressed after that, you know, whole period of time, obviously his dad had an influence on him and I'm sure he, he took that with him, not to speak for him, but, uh, you know, that helped him in his later years after he was able to get through and, you know, that some of the tough times and whoever, you know, the people were that helped him directly. That he talked about that came into, you know, his life at the right time to help him through those dark times. Uh, I'm just glad they, they came into his life when they did. And he's got such a great support system now uh, with his wife and his three kids and has a lot of great balance in his life, like he talked about. So he's very happy and obviously a great situation for him. So thanks again to Mike Sweetney for coming on the podcast. This is the Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 11 with Dr. J and Coach K. I'm your host, Hootie Hoot, and Ron Rivera has cancer. And now it's very sad. That's very sad. And uh, Del Rio is probably going to assume a lot of the responsibilities now. Yeah. What about Alex Smith? I, I got to say, 
uh, there's a lot of things going on out there, the NBA, the bubble, the unknown situation with the NCAA. But Alex Smith's story, 18 surgeries, just his, uh, you know, like kid in a candy store reaction to being back out on the football field. You know, uh, people have said that his injury was worse than Theismann's. Uh, man, what a if he if he is deemed the starter or you know even just makes the roster, you know what a what an incredible story of San Diego product from out here at Helix High School. Just amazing. Eighteen surgeries is uh, about fifteen surgeries more than a lot. Did you see some of the video? On, oh, it was brutal. On, on the, his he, leg he, oh, and, his, ugly. and just oh. what it looks like and, and the, the range of motion that he had to work on. And, oh, my God, it's unbelievable what he's been through. And he still wants to play. Like, he's been – how long has he been playing? Was he, 36? He's the he, same. He, he came out – no, he came out in 2005. Four, 2004. So, yeah, he's got to be about 36. Yeah, yeah. God, just unbelievable. I wish him the best of luck and you know, the, no, the, no, let me, the Washington I, can I, football I, team. Yes. <laughs> no, I just, I, I just wanted to ask you guys. That's this, right. This, this occurs to me from the conversation with coach Sweetney. He's, he's killing it as a rookie and the coach calls him into the office and tells him he's not playing. Wow. I had no idea that blew me away. And, and, and further when asked why he said, because you have to pay your dues. I don't think that would happen now. Well, that, that, that coach was John, Don Chaney, and that was the last job he ever had. And he's the same guy that was the coach before the Houston, before the Houston Rockets. Well, was it Don Chaney titles. or Herb Williams? Don Chaney. Herb okay, Williams Herb was the Williams. assistant. He, he took over after, I think. Herb he William, took over Williams. After, is, and then they, hired, then they hired Wilkins. Right. Yeah. No, they hired. Yeah, exactly. Wilkins. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I just wondered. I just wondered. I'm just trying to conceptualize that me as a coach, like when I look at talent, I'm looking at the best possible guys I can put on the floor, regardless of any circumstances that can help us be successful. Well, that's why the Knicks have been a disaster uh, since Dolan took over for whatever reason and, and unlucky. And even when they were lucky uh, and, and they had Porzingis, they traded him for a Coke and a bag of chips. Well, I mean, yeah. let's, look, let's look at the 2000. Or a Diet Coke in John's case. Yes. Actually, it's a Coke Zero. Um, let's, <laughs> let's look at the 2002-2003 Knicks roster. Oh, I looked at this. Shandon Anderson out of Georgia. Michael Doliak. Wasn't Howard Crawford Easley. on this team? Uh, who? Crawford? No, no he wasn't uh, yeah, there yet. He was the next year. Oh, Othella. Harrington. Harrington. Travis Knight. Gordon, your favorite player of all time, Lee Nalen. <laughs> no, Michael Doliak is my favorite player of all time. Oh, God. And the ever-popular Clarence Witherspoon. Oh, boy. They had some of the worst rosters when he was there. I didn't get I mean, a chance to ask him how it was to be in training camp with Doc Rivers when he was there with the big three. He got yeah. cut both times, but I, I, want, I would have not, liked to know how it He was also got to play with Vin Baker, Anthony Hardaway, DeMar Penny. Johnson, Stefan Marbury, Antonio McDice, Nazi Muhammad, Kemby Mutombo, just stop. Uchi Norris. This roster is terrible. There's a couple Tim guys Tom on. There's a couple guys you're reading off that are on my all names team. Tim Thomas, Keith Van Horn. Ugh. It's like you're all who's who waiver line. Yeah, it's like the Seattle Mariners in the '90s. Yeah, I mean, you think the long. disaster that is Major League Baseball. Then the Mets and Yankees had to cancel two games this yep. weekend. More game, more games canceled. The Cardinals have played a whopping what ten games this year? Yeah. Well. 
you know, if they're not going to have an unofficial bubble, I've been saying this all along and nothing has changed. And in the NCAA, these conferences are talking about having sort of bubble tournaments. So for example, on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'd have three games with teams in your uh, demographic area and you'd only drive there the day of and you drive back afterwards and you'd sort of be in, in, in an unofficial bubble. And so you'd have two or three weekends of this you'd get six or nine non-conference games and then you'd start your conference games in January and sort of go from there. But well, I think um, Mike, I it's agree not going to work. I, and I think, I think these colleges stopping on campus classes is going to help everyone. Right. I agree. Carolina, Notre Dame, right. all these places that were naive enough to think that they could open their classrooms face to face. I think part of, I think the thing with baseball, what is there going to be 16 teams in the playoffs, right? Right. They added teams. Yeah. Right. I think those teams have to play in a bubble because you to. can't be, you can't be in the middle of a playoff and a whole team comes down with it. Not with the many, the number of games that baseball plays. They, they right. play every day. It's not like football. You can have a, a week and a half off. Right. Just a disaster. So, uh, you know, like Mike said in the, in the interview, we're going to have to wait and see on some of this stuff. But the NBA uh, bubble has been fun. You know, the injury to Doncic and um, Dame, uh, Damian Lillard, I think that I, – I don't think they were going to win anyways. I know you guys were hyped up on Portland, but I don't think the Lakers yeah. had taken their game to the next level. Two Hall of Famers, two top five guys in the NBA. You're crazy if you think Portland um, – Whatever. Have I made it clear how much I dislike stand in space? Uh, is there any offense remaining in that league? No. no. I mean, I know it works. I know it works well for people who train individual play, Mike. But yes, I, it, but I, in terms I love, of, I like the game the way it is. I wish there was I don't, a little I don't, bit more I can't, movement. I, no, there's I no pick movement. And rolls, there's but, no yeah. movement. There's not. You know, it's getting to the point where I, I actually crave a pick and roll, and you know how I feel about pick and roll basketball. I mean, all it is is guys come down the floor. They're they're 18 feet apart, which is great. And one guy tries to break his guy down. If that doesn't work out well, he pitches it, and that guy either shoots a three or he tries to break his his guy down off the dribble. And there's no movement, there's no passing, there's no screening, there's no backdoor movement, there's there's no there's it's no all post skill. movement. It's all skill. Nobody's debating that. It's all skill. It's like if you don't have no, it's skill. not. It's not all skill. Those are basketball skills. They've been basketball skills since the 1860s or whenever Dr. Naismith invented the game, and they're still part of the game. Well, when Seth, Curry, when Seth Curry, the 100th best player in the NBA, is going off, that just shows you how deep the league is in terms of, of skills. Well, is that what well, it shows you? But, well, Mike, yeah. look how well Bull Bull's playing for the Nuggets. <laughs> the 44th pick, the kid's going off. And you know why? Because there's no one who can guard him. There's no centers anymore. He's not going off because everybody's standing around watching? Combination. I mean, I everybody, mean, couple, I mean, everybody can't. Movement's already difficult to defend. A couple of years of this – and any team that runs any kind of movement is going to be very successful because guys are going to get used to going to cross half court with 14 seconds left. Like guys are going to get used to guys are going to get used to moving two feet on defense and put and swiveling their head twice before they get a rebound and go the other way. That's what they're going to get used to. That's how they're going to be conditioned. You didn't like Dallas's uh, guard who took it on the fast break and a two on one and did a run. I don't mind. I don't nothing wrong with a fast break. (laughs) I don't mind fast break basketball. I'm not saying everybody should come down and take the wind out of it. I'm just saying if you're going to play in the half court, then you should have a robust offense. How much, how much movement can you get in 16 seconds when you cross half court? I don't know, but how, how much standing around can you get? Well, I think there has to be a little bit of balance, but I, I don't know how much movement you can get. In, in no, you, can't, you can't call what's happening now a little bit of balance. No, 
It's it's gone. It's, can, the, it's in the boring. Other direction. Boring. It's you know I used to complain about Shaq and Kobe. Uh, all respect with that ISO shit where three guys would go on the other side of the floor and those guys would work post and perimeter. I, I crave that. That to me would be a step up from this. Well, we, we, I I disagree. I think the game is. I'm glad. Now I know involved. I'm right. And it's, it's, it's in good hands, I think. It's in horrible hands. What, what do you think, John? I just think it's too much, you know. But, this, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sway back because there'll be a big guy that will dominate. And then they'll, it will be like what Tim Duncan. Tim, bring Tim Duncan. If there's another high school Tim Duncan out there, he joins the league. You put him in the league. He dominates. And then someone will have to match up with him. I mean, Mike Sweetney would score 40 points a night in this, in this kind of spread. I disagree. In, but if he didn't have an outside shot, they wouldn't put him in the game. No, there's no way. Right. So did you guys see that story on LaMelo Ball in, uh, I think it was yeah. ESPN.com? It was very interesting. I've heard of him. Didn't his father have a shoe, a shoe thing? Yeah, that worked out. Alonzo Ball is his brother, and he's in the NBA, obviously. But uh, it was very interesting to, to read about his uh, evolution uh, in, in um, overseas and um, potential number one pick. And if he goes to Minnesota, it's going to be the same thing all over again. I think with his dad, he's going to he's going to lose his mind, even though he's been quiet for a while about the fact that he can't end up in. Who, who has the second pick? He'll end up going there. Well, yeah, him or Anthony. No Edwards way, from Georgia. No way. There's no way he goes to Golden State. Oh, can you imagine him in Golden State? Wow. No way. Well, oh. If Minnesota knows that he doesn't want to go there and they take Anthony Edwards. Well, the, Georgia, Minnesota has D'Angelo Russell. They got him to a long-term deal. You can't both of them. Well, that he, he's, he got the worst of the luck because whoever's going to go there, you know, he's, he's tradable now because they'll be healthy next year. Gordon, last week you touched on the WNBA. Anything else that you wanted to talk about with, with regards to them? Uh, Brittany Griner has left the bubble for personal reasons. Uh, it was announced today. She was a leading scorer for the Phoenix Mercury. And so they're getting ready to conclude their regular season. And uh, no positive cases yet with them or the NBA for six weeks now. Um, so, you know, that's been remarkable, I think. And, um, you know, we're just sort of going to wait and see with the NFL. You know, we could talk about, you know, um, who the favorites are. But there's just too many unknowns with COVID and um, – you know, new uh, destinations for players like Brady, New England, you know, who's going to be a starting court quarterback. They're still up in the air. Well, so Mike, I think the big be interesting with the NFL. Well, I think the big story going back to college is if three more of the big five end up not playing. And then for whatever reason, if the NCA was able to, had to not do another basketball tournament, I think you would see the elimination of college athletics like you've never seen before. Well, it's, it's happening. There's four sports right. being eliminated here. There's other, it's just not getting the traction because of everything else that's going on. Right. But they are talking about having a bubble when the NCAA tournament comes around. And if you heard Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski from Duke, men's basketball coach there, he said that they can't afford not only uh, internally with each program, but just nationally because of the amount of money that the NCAA produces. Uh, the, the country cannot afford to have another NCAA tournament canceled. They just can't. It'll, it'll be catastrophic. So the NFL, you know, is, is doing well with their uh, positive cases. So they're, they're, they're a really small percentage. And so we'll just see what happens when they start traveling. 
Right. And, and actually uh, having contact. No one's touching contact. anybody. Exactly. And they're just doing scrimmages within their own organizations. Right. So, but I'm interested, I'm definitely interested to see, I don't think they should be playing, but I mean, what choice do you have, you know, other than to shut it all down and fiscal, well, I mean, it's not possible. You know, I think you have to, I think you still have to kind of ask both questions. Should they be playing? No. And, and finish out the thought. Why not? Because as you're seeing these athletes, predominantly African-American, many of them very large size, you can define it as obese or overweight, but they're yep. talking about linemen and so forth. Right. Yeah are very susceptible to picking this up at a much higher rate than the general public. And we don't know the long-term effects. Right. And there's, which means we don't, which means we don't know if there are long-term effects, but they're choosing, they're choosing to play. They, and they, they've said that they feel safeguards are in place. I just, I would just wanted to walk the thing through logically sort of from, from beginning to end, they shouldn't play because they're, they're large, overweight, well, and they, higher they, risk. They, they're at a higher risk, and we don't know what it would take to make it safe for play. If they knew back 30 years ago about the concussion situation that has transpired since in the last five years, do you think that players would still play if they knew what they knew about concussions the way that we know about COVID now? Would people still smoke? Well, smoking's gone down since nineteen nine in the last ten yeah, years. Yeah, but the, the answer is up, yes. It went up for forty yes, years. It went right, up for forty years. Understand, but you didn't yeah. ask that. You didn't ask wh which direction would would usage go. You asked would people still play, and yes, they would still play. So why Just is not it not as many? Yeah, well, how many players have opted out already? I don't know the answer to that. Five dozen. Five I don't know dozen, the answer to that. Five dozen have answer? already opted out. But we, we, what does that mean? Well, it means that if you're talking have, about a, in the NFL issue. Well, if they have the choice to opt out and the other guys yeah. want to play, whether it's financial reasons or, you know, they think it's worth the risk, right? then who are we to say that it's, they're, they're not, they shouldn't be they're, playing? No, I, I get it. They're, they're opting out because they are, they are convinced would that they're play? at risk. Would I? Yeah. No, I would not. John, would you play? No. Would you play in the basketball that, bubble or, or in or, a bubble? Yes. And, and what NCA has laid out No. Yeah. But you can, I don't think you can go by us. I mean, right. I that agree. doesn't mean, doesn't mean we're right. No, I didn't say I was right. So, so, so these linemen, I just want to get back to John's, John's case. They're, they're, they're overweight, maybe obese, they're linemen, they're at higher risk. And therefore they are, they are potential fatalities. Yes. And yet we haven't had any, uh, we have, we don't, we don't, we haven't had any fatalities that I'm aware of. We didn't know about the effects of concussions until 25 years later and no, half but the Gordon, Pittsburgh well, Steelers defense had killed themselves. I get it. But, but, but little, Gordon, two little, players. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, John. Hold the thought. That's a little different, Mike, because concussions you don't get from other players. They're, it's not a contagion that you pass from one person to the next. It comes from a very particular trauma. This doesn't. This you can okay. get walking past a guy in a hallway. So it's a little That's different, true. but I, I get your point. Go ahead, John. There's a play, the starting quarterback at, or the starting recruit, star recruit at Georgia State, right? You know, has come down with COVID and a heart ailment associated in a player, a player at Baylor. And, and that's what we know about. Okay. And the player from Georgia State has opted out of the season, which he should. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I was watching Loyola Marymount games from the, 90s I, I love watching them run up and down and shoot the ball in three or four seconds and uh you just said gathers. that you can't stand the, the nba and that's what they're doing and this is what i you're can't watching. stand the nba no they're not uh, i didn't say running up and down 
I said stand in space. I don't like watching five guys stand around while one guy plays. That's not a team sport. Anyway, oh, sorry to interrupt. Hank Go Gathers. Ahead. Hank mm-hmm. Gathers. Right? right. Hank Gathers had a heart condition. Right. Ultimately, he passed. Right. But 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 he knew he had a heart condition. He's not the only guy who's had a heart condition who played. And there are probably lots of guys in in um, competitive athletics who have conditions. Some of them we know about. Some of them maybe we don't. Right. Well, and doctors know more about it now anyways. Sure. So I was just trying to figure it out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. really, what do we know what right or wrong is? I just think it's a personal choice. I mean, I, I don't know if I would do it, but for basketball, I definitely would. Baseball, I would have. And football, uh, there's no way. But for college uh, basketball, unless it's an unofficial bubble within a bubble, and there hasn't been any positive tests within a week before the games, and you're not driving to the games the same day, yep. I'd probably say no. And what would it take to change your mind? What would it take to get you to yes? To opt out? No, to play. No, that's what, would, what I'm what saying. Would, what would the conditions have to be for either of you or both of you to say, okay, it has my blessing? For which sport? Let's, let's play. Pick one. Doesn't matter. Okay, well, football, football. is the one, football football. Is the one that I would that Vaccine. Okay, with 36% effectiveness? No. 75%. That's unlikely. I mean, the flu shot is 36%. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or like you or, feel the same way? Vaccine? Yeah, yeah, it has to be at least 75%. But it, and then there, I would still say there should be an unofficial bubble or a bubble. I mean, baseball, uh, the baseball players have, have gone in on each other if they're not following some of these rules that the, the organizations have put in place to unofficially abide by as to you know, not put their teammates at risk. So there's, they're doing bubbles, with, but you know, some of these guys are obviously not adhering to the pressure of their teammates. Right, because there's, there's varying levels of belief, right? The guys varying who are hearing beliefs. believe strongly they're on the same page, and the guys who don't, don't. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a, an offense. Any some, final some... thoughts on the NBA? Um, they cut me off. Yeah, that's enough of that. Uh, any final thoughts on the NBA or NHL playoffs? Probably no, not. No one cares about hockey. Um, Nobody cares Brett, about hockey. I Brett agree. Brown will be fired before, I said he, this yesterday. before he hits the locker room after they get swept. Pick whoever you want to blame for his firing. You know, everybody on the broadcast, Van Gundy, everybody says he's a great guy, you know, and he's gone from 10 wins to a lot of wins. But the reality is, you know, they traded uh, uh, what's his name to Miami uh, Butler. They traded the wrong guy. You don't keep Tob- Tobias Harris. Harris he's and- a dump- he's a dumpster fire. He's a and- black hole. Ball goes in, never comes out. He plays no. He plays Matador defense. He would have he would have fit on great on the old Michigan teams. And who would you keep, Embiid or Ben Simmons? Oh, Embiid, Ben Simmons. I I have no use for a guard who doesn't like to take free throws and can't shoot a three. Most overrated player in the NBA by far. And I would always, package Ben Simmons. always injured too. And yeah. now Simmons is injured. So. Well, I would, tr- I would package Simmons and Tobias Harris for whatever you could get and get them the hell out of town. Yeah, you're not going to get anything for those guys at this point. Draft picks, that's all you're going to get. And thank you again to our guests today, Mike Sweetney from Georgetown and the New York Knicks and Chicago Bulls. I like Mike. Mike's very good. Good people. Mike made my day. Yeah, he was really genuine and uh, on a good path. I was, I was happy for him more than anything. Agreed. Cool. Everybody should register to vote. Yeah, yes. please vote. Yes, we want to make sure we mention that every, every one of our podcasts leading up to the November elections. Find out where a Dropbox is near your house. Right. Stand in line. Here's the thing. Vote.org. Vote. 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 V
in addition to mailing, you may actually be able to vote a month ahead of time at certain places. So you can go in, grab a ballot and vote very quickly without a lot of people. So you don't have, it's not mail in or just go show up at the voting day. So there could there be are one options. or others. And then to people under the age of 60 who may be in good health, encourage you to call and, and volunteer to work at a voting area because many of the old people that traditionally do that are not going to be able to because of their susceptible to get COVID. Right? So you're trying to find me a job. Is that what you're trying to say? I should get some, some extra work on the side. Yeah, yeah. Well, the state of Washington is not a swing state. So we'd like you to please go to the state of Arizona to drive oh, over yeah. there and, and, and work, a, work a poll, please. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. This has been the Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 11, for our special guest, Mike Sweetney, Coach K, Dr. J. I'm Mike Hootner. Until next time. And remember, you can always send us an email to the Sports deli at gmail.com and you can follow me on instagram at mike hootner and on twitter at michael hootner